Ivy and the CIA, an interview with Christine Alharis. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our podcast. We have our guest, Christine, with us today. Thank you so much for joining us. You're very welcome. My pleasure. Hi, I'm Christine Alharis. I'm a Supply Diversity Manager with Sodexo, Digital Nomad, hopefully forever, married to a wonderful husband who lives overseas. And my life journey right now is trying to find out a way to be successful, but live under the same roof as my husband. Christine, my name is Dan. It's a pleasure to meet you. And I will get to know you along with our audience here tonight as we ask you questions and you answer them. My first question is just total curiosity. Your last name, where does it come from? And how, where's the proper pronunciation? Oh, Lord. Okay. I would love to say it correctly. I'm going to do my best. So first of all, my last name is Jordanian. My husband is from Jordan. He's a beautiful Jordanian man. And I'm going to do the best job I can, which he is going to probably listen to this one day because I told him I'd send it to him. But I'm going to butcher it and he's going to laugh. So it's, it's, it's Al Harris is in English, but it's not really a huss down. It's a So it's Al, 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 Al Harris, but I can't say it correctly. So Al Harris is fine. <laughs> Great. So um, that's, I was curious. I was figuring it was somewhere in the Middle East, but Jordan, I've never been to Jordan. That sounds like a cool place. Have you ever visited Jordan? Many times I've, I've many times I've been to Jordan. Um, the best part about Jordan is first of all, is our food. The people are super hospitable and warm. I always tell people when they watch the news, don't believe anything you hear because I've been to several Middle Eastern countries and I've had nothing but the best experience. And I will tell you the good thing about the, the family that I'm married into, they were very accepting and they didn't care that I was a different faith and that they were just so happy that I was part of their family. And it's just a really wonderful culture. To start with, um, you mentioned your, I think it was your occupation really quickly and being a digital nomad. Could you share a little bit more about exactly what you do and more out of curiosity? And so if people want to connect with you, what is the thing that you do that might be interesting or something that somebody might reach out to you about? Well, I do many things, Dan. My full-time job is actually for a corporate America job. It's called Sodexo. We're actually global. I'm a supplier diversity manager. I've recently become a digital nomad because of COVID. So of course, COVID has been a very destructive virus. And uh, however, the positive side, which not much to say there's anything positive about it, is it has given me the ability to not be really chained to a desk, which is my least favorite thing in the whole wide world. So because of the situation with my husband and my job, and because of COVID, this kind of converges one of those Venn diagrams. So I'm able to really work wherever I want to within the United States. So I was in Turkey for about a month and a half taking care of my husband. We met there because he has to have surgery. And then he had to go back to Jordan where his surgery got postponed. And I had to go back to America because I was out on FMLA. So based on that reasoning and having no home, I decided I was just going to drive out West. And so I took my time and head out west and I've been working from hotels and Airbnbs and now my parents house in California and soon I'll be house sitting up in Oregon so when I say a digital nomad that means I can work from anywhere within the United States and I kind of like it a lot I love it um, I think everybody who has the capability of working from wherever should do exactly what you're doing I think you're a good inspiration for those people 
Um, one of the reasons that we invited you on our podcast, well, one, Ivy already knows you um, and she invites on people she respects and likes, but really for our audience, we want to give them access to people they may never cross paths with cross paths with in regular life and allow them to hear a little bit of your story and what you do, because in the end, they may just go, that was a good story. Or they may hear you say something they've never heard before, maybe something that they've heard before, but you say it differently or it connects with them in a different way. So really, we're all about helping people live their best life through these podcasts and through these interviews. So I'm going to start with our first question of the night. Which okay. is, if I was a genie and I could grant you just one wish, what would be your wish and why? And let me give you a couple of rules. One, you can't wish for more wishes. One, two, you can't wish to become the genie or the wish giver that's cheating the system. And the reason we ask this, I want to, like, I really am curious if there is something in your life that you're like, oh, that would be really cool, but it's too out of probability or I tried and it didn't work out. Something that I could just grant you with that one wish. Okay, I thought long and hard about this because I could have thought about having the ability to be super smart or genius or money. That stuff doesn't matter to me. I, I thought about this hard. So I thought if if you were a genie and you can get, grant me one wish, I would wish that I could heal hearts and not take away the memory of the pain because I think we grow from our pain. I mean, Lord knows I've had to do a lot of growth in the last five or six years from pain and trauma, but I would want to take the sting away so that they can heal their hearts so they can move on because long after someone's trauma, they still hold on to this pain and this anger and anxiety. And I would just love. Sorry. I would just love to be able to heal, to heal people's hearts. So, Christine, you just made one of our bucket list items come true. That's the, the Oprah effect, they call it, right? Like to get somebody to cry in an interview. We got you to cry within five minutes and we didn't even do anything to lead to that. So thank you for checking uh, one of our bucket list items. We really appreciate that. I hate to burst your bubble. This is, everybody who knows me knows that this is like not that difficult, but I appreciate it, Dan. <laughs> Oh, I love you, Christine. It's so great to to bring you on and share your story. One of the things I'm most inspired about is uh, how much you care about people and how much you care about your family. Who in your life has made the most impact and shaped you to the person you are today? So well, there's a lot of people that have affected me, including God himself. Um, but I'm going to say my husband, my, my husband, because when he met me, I had lost everything except for my job. I had no home, no more family, not even my faith. I walked away from everything. I was very broken. And he, he healed me. He healed my heart. Now, I'm not saying it's been easy because it's not easy, um, but it's definitely, he's the person that makes me want to fight really hard to make sure that he's taking care of, that I'm taking care of. He helps give me more self-reliance and strength. And uh, like I said, of course, I want to give most of the glory to God, but if I had to pick a human being and, and I love my parents and they did a great job raising me, but he really is my inspiration to keep going. So Christine, one of my favorite movies is Back to the Future. And I wish I had a time machine, but I don't. 
But if I could give you that time machine and you could travel back and you could visit your younger self and you could give them information to tell them about what the future is going to be like or what you've learned over time, what advice would you give them and why that advice? I would tell her that she is worthy of everything that is good and that um, she's stronger than she thinks she is, to be proud of who she is. And then, I would tell her to invest in Google, Apple, and Facebook. (laughs) You know, what's funny about that is that goes back to the genie question of you saying, I don't want money, but then you would use the time machine to tell yourself how to get money. That's so interesting. I would tell her to invest. It doesn't mean she's going to get money. I would want her to learn how to invest because I'll tell you what, that's the one thing that I wish that I I try to teach even my, my daughter from my first marriage. I taught her at a very young age to how to, how to do how to have a budget because when I was growing up, my parents were awesome, but they never showed us how to take care of our financial future. Right. They, that was like, go outside and play kids. We have to do, this is adult stuff. And they, they didn't teach you this stuff in school. So, you know, all these years, you know, I struggled with, you know, credit. I still have, I'm still picking up myself from that, from a foreclosure, like all this stuff could have been avoided if they just taught, it's not their fault, but if society had just, learn to teach their children how to take care of themselves, not just, okay, good hygiene. You need to have a good spiritual self. You need to have empathy. But if you don't teach your children how to financially take care of themselves, then it makes their life much more difficult. I'm not looking to become a millionaire. I just would like to not have to be, I don't want money to be the thing that stresses me out, you know, or stresses my husband out because I'm not a big thing person. I'm not a big materialistic person. I have, I literally didn't have, one thing that I own is a Jeep. I don't technically own it right now, but, you know, buying it. And that is because that gives us this adventure, right? But otherwise, I don't care about anything else. That Material things don't matter to me. I just want to not have the stress of worrying about what I'm worrying about now. Like, right, if I had financial freedom, I wouldn't have to be here by myself. I could be whatever, creating something or having a photographer or having a life where I'm enjoying instead of being so focused on day to day, how to survive. That's what I, why I mean to invest. And it was half joking, but seriously. (laughs) No, I, I agree with you. In fact, there's been a lot of um, articles and uh, based on studies that show that for people um, it's not as much financial freedom as it is financial, not being having financial worry. Like they've done where they figured out a threshold for people. It's like if you could cover certain base needs without stressing over them, then it would like alleviate that major concern, which is a big stressor for many people. And then that would allow you to pursue and just feel so much better about other areas of life. So I totally agree with that. What's also interesting is um, I've heard people say this and I am in a hundred percent agreement, which is that is what we should be teaching in school. We go down many paths on that, but it's like we go, we get into all of these subjects that literally once you pass a certain grade level, you'll never use unless you get into a specialty thing, right? And even, even in college, the, I forget what they're called, the base curriculum, you know what I mean? Like the stuff that you have to take, the required classes. So many of those, it's like, if I'm majoring in X, why not just let me take X classes? Like, why do I have to do these other classes on the side? And I think whatever, we go forever. I think it's a way for to make extra money for the colleges. But in either Absolutely. case, um, I totally agree with you. I think uh, you're spot on with being able to have that information that 
like nobody's nobody's parents is out there teaching them because they don't even like they're struggling or figuring that out themselves because you life is the teacher, right? We don't have these regular teachers. So we have life to teach us like, oh, don't do that again. Hopefully you have a chance to pass it on to someone else. So good answer to be able to pass it on to yourself with your time machine. I do agree with you also about both you, what you and Dan talked about with money mindset. That is not taught in school and having the right mindset set you up, you know, having that framework will set you up to go about it differently. And I wish you did teach it in school. And I, I think the closest thing to that is like home economics because that's where you learned how to do other life skills. But anyways, yeah. what is a habit or belief that have shaped you to who you are today? I read the Bible daily. I pray and I meditate. Those are the things I do every day, no matter what. The other thing I do is I make sure I, uh, I first thing I, when I wake up in the morning after I do those first three things is I call my husband just to make sure we check about how's his day going because, but he's 10 hours ahead of me. So he's had a full, full day ahead of him that I, I need to talk to him. And we're trying to figure out our, our meet point. The next time we're going to get together, is it going to be permanent trying to figure out our future? That's something I do every day. I also have started journaling in the last month um, because I find that I am very emotional from, you know, being so separated all the time that it, it does help a lot to put all my feelings into words instead of always coming out verbally because it doesn't always come across correctly, right? It comes off, ah! but instead when you're writing it down, then you have, it's just for you, for me, nobody else is going to read it. So I can put whatever I want in there. So I think those are good habits to, to do. I think the other good habit that I started doing is just reading every day. I love reading, but I'm trying to read something for pleasure, but then also something that's going to help me. Or if I can't read, then it's, believe it or not, I get on TikTok and I don't watch the dances or the silly things or the tutorials, but I, there's a lot of people who have a lot of skills on financial uh, freedom and side hustles and all this. And even if I don't take everything, I learn something new every day. I write it down. I research it. So every day I'm trying to learn something new so that I can figure out how I can be. Again, it's not about being having, I don't care about being rich. I just want to be able to be able to, it would be great if I can make passive income. Like that's how I look at it. Like I'm still going to work my job and how great would that be to have passive income? So for me, I'm always trying to learn how I can free myself of anxieties and worry. So those are the things that I do every day. I, I, I pray, I read the Bible, meditate, call my husband. I either read something or I watch something that I can learn from. If you were sentenced to life in prison and the warden said, guess what, Christine, I'm going to give you one book to put in your cell the rest of your time here on earth, but it can't be the Bible because here's the thing. We interview everybody and I'll tell you 90% of people say the Bible and you already said it. So I'm going to challenge you to come up with, okay. you, you get the Bible as a default. So now you have to come okay. up with something else. There's a book that I read every year and it's, it's not even that like scholarly of a book, but I love it. Every year I read it, the Pelican's Brief. It is one of my favorite books. So if I only can have one book besides the Bible, that's the one I would have. It's a great book. So have you, do you also enjoy the movie? I thought the movie wasn't bad. Of course, I love that, you know, like it changed my spectrum of what I think the characters look like. And now when I read it, I see those characters. I'm a very visual person. When I read a book, it's not just reading. It's like I'm in the story. I'm with them. I zone out. I tell people all the time, if I'm reading a book and I'm, I'm into it, I can't hear you scream fire. You have to physically touch me because it's like I'm in 
the story. I get so absorbed. It's better than a movie for me is reading a book. Have you ever done hypnosis? No. You would do really well with hypnosis because uh, just the way you describe those things right there means that you're really able to go into your imagination. So if you're ever curious, I'm a certified hypnotherapist. I'm happy to let you experience hypnosis and see what it's like. I'm a little worried about having my mind open. I'm always afraid of what's going to go in. <laughs> your mind. Well, here's the thing. Your mind is already open and you can ask <laughs> Ivy her experience. Yes, it is an incredible experience. And I would highly recommend it if you haven't experienced it before. But yes, just the way you were describing how you get so immersed in a story, you've already on some level gotten yourself self-hypnotized in that experience because you're not aware of time. When nope, exactly. Right? exactly. So now I'm curious, what is one of your biggest failures and what did you learn from it and how did you overcome it? So, I mean, I have failed a lot in my life, but I look at failures now. Like if you'd asked me this question in 2014, I would have told you at that moment, that was my biggest failure when I walked away from God and let myself go to a place I wasn't going to go. But if I say that, then it's like, I'm regretting what I have now. So I can't look at, I look at this as like, I wouldn't have known or understood God all my life. I was I did the right thing because I wanted to do the right thing and I had a great life, but I never really like to know what God's love is for me is after I failed and it took me four or five years to get back on my feet again, to be there. Like I really felt, I really felt God's love at that point. Like I knew what it felt like. Like, unfortunately the world that we live in today, the system that we live in today, I mean, we all make mistakes, right? So, but until you make something where it's devastating, where you lose everything, you really don't appreciate until you come back and you really feel that love, right? And that goes for even family and friends who waited patiently for me to snap out of it, right? So I don't want to look at anything like it's a big failure because I'm here. A big failure means I'm I'm not I'm never going to come back from that situation. So I don't I, I can't look at it like that. I look at it like okay, I failed, but I got back up. And every failure could be considered big or small because at the end of the day. Once you heal yourself and you're moving forward, well, that, that failure was just a, a way for you to grow. And again, the person I'm with now, I would never have met him if I hadn't had my failure, right? So to me, it's like, I don't look at it as a failure. It's just, it's a, it's a, it, was a, it, was a, it was a growing point for me. I, I, I fell, I got back up. It just took me a little longer than I wanted to, but I, I think that kind of answered the question. I'm not sure. Like, I think that is definitely the biggest thing, losing everything. But at the same time, I gained so much afterwards. So I don't know if I, like, I don't want to hurt my family that that I hurt, that I, but I don't want to hurt my future, the, the present that I'm at now, you know? So I, I don't know. I don't, I'm thankful for what I have now for the failure that I created. That That's an awesome. Yes, that is a beautiful answer. I wanted to follow up with, how are you living your life without regrets? Well, let's see here. It took me a couple of years to really move on and, and, and not feel that. And, and also, thankfully, everybody, including my ex-husband, was very forgiving and understanding. And once I you know, decided to, to be where I needed to be, and with the help of my current husband, like helping me to become a strong person and to be self-reliant, then you know, getting back, walking back to where I needed to be, and then having my family and friends back in my life, you know, it, it, that meant, it meant everything. 
So it's clear from some of your answers that you are now a student of finance. So on that journey to learn and make better decisions in that area, what have you heard that you're like, ooh, that is bad advice. If you hear that, don't fall for it. Here is the better advice to take instead of that. Yeah, I definitely think don't fall for every scam or everything that seems like, oh, this is a great side hustle. This is a great, no, do your research. Like listen to it, save the information, research it. I think um, growing up, it was, it was a bad advice. I mean, I didn't get bad advice so much as I didn't ask the right questions. Like I'll I'll be honest with you. If I, someone tries to give me bad advice, I just look at them and I'm like, this isn't something my ex-husband taught me to say, that's nice. Or that's an idea, but then do whatever you want to do, right? So I, I, I'm trying to think of the worst advice I got. Well, I will, okay, I perfect example. I went to college later in life and I regret listening to the person that helped me go down that path because they did not help me. They only caused me to be in a huge amount of debts and I never end up, I have almost all my credits, but I never finished because at the end I was so stressed out from working a full-time job, having a family. That was one of the things that kind of broke me. Uh, I... I now tell kids, I, I used to belong to this, um, I volunteered for this program called the 720, which is 720 days from ninth grade to 12th grade. And I got to pick the three subjects. And one of them was creditworthiness, college, and social media. And I, when I told them about college, I said, if you do not have the money to go to school, don't kill yourself and go broke by getting these high loans to go to a big fancy school, a party school, whatever. No, go to community college for two years. And then transfer onto the school you want to. You're still going to get that same degree from that same school, but you're not going to be as much debt. Try to get good grades, et cetera, so you can try to offset the costs. So the worst advice I ever got was I had to, I had to have a degree. I had to do this, but they didn't give me the right path. And now I'm still like in debt, right? Because I'm still trying to pay off the school loan. So that was the worst advice, bad advice I ever got. And I, I always try to help people to avoid that now. Like if you don't have people to help pay for it, if you can't get scholarships, go to a two-year school, then transfer. You're still going to get that same fancy degree, but for a lot less money. That is very sound advice and practical. Something I do appreciate you about because you have such a creative mind and it's, it's so cool to see how you figure things out. I mean, just this year alone, you've been bouncing around the world, literally. So you being a nomad is true. And where do you see yourself five years from now? Okay. Five years from now. I love this question. I love this question so much. Um, I see myself and my husband and our dog and our Jeep traveling the world. So he is unable to come back into the U S but thankfully we've already done our, we've done almost all the state. I've seen every state except for Alaska. And he's been to almost every state except for Alaska and a few other Southern states. But I foresee us both having independent careers where we can either we're having our own businesses, which I'm trying to figure out what we need to do, or we have these virtual jobs where we can work wherever. But my goal is to have that, have us together, having adventures and having said that we've been on every continent. That is, that is where I see myself in five years, happy, content on the road, being thrown in the ditch with my husband. Like that's, I love the idea of just not having to be anywhere unless we want to be there. So from everything you've learned on your journey of life so far, if you had to summarize it in just a short piece of advice, what advice would you give the listening audience to help them live their best life? 
you have to learn to love yourself before you can love anybody else. And you have to trust your gut. The, I, I would tell people the brain and the heart are always at war, but your gut always tells you the truth. So trust your gut. Try not to lean on yourself all the time, because if you lean on your own understanding, you're going to be flawed, right? Because we're not perfect. We have imperfect thoughts. So try to find higher advice, whether it's God, whether it's through uh, somebody not not religious, but it could be someone's skull. It's not somebody who's wiser than you, right? Because none of us can say that we're the wisest person. And take every advice that you ask with a grain of salt. Do with what you want. I just always tell people to go gently, gentle on yourself, because when you're not gentle on yourself, your life is, you make your life, you make yourself, you make your life more difficult when you're hard on yourself, because you are the most difficult critic that you're going to have around you. So that's my advice. And, and also just to be wise with, like I said, my life is not really about finance. It's going to sound like it is, but be wise with how you, with what you spend your money on. There's nothing wrong with having things, things that's a normal want, thing. To, people want things, but don't let that thing, those things absor- absorb who you really are. Find out what you really love, what your passion is and go for it. What is a question that we should have asked you that we didn't ask? I had a few disabilities growing up that I, I probably still have it. I've just overcome most of the time, I stutter. I'm a stutterer. It took 12 years of speech therapy to get me where I'm at now, which is very, which is another reason why it's very difficult for me to learn to speak Arabic, because there's sounds that um, I don't make in the, the, the our language, and so therefore, when I get anxious or excited, I block, I stutter. The other thing was called integration, where is uh, explained to me when I was 15 when they finally figured it out, which is when I my grades went from not so great to much better, is where I get it all in my head, but from the brain to the hand, there's a disconnect. So sometimes it is it can be challenging. So that's why I'm not an auditory learner. I'm visual and kinesthetic because if I touch it, play with it, see it, I can learn anything. But if you just expect me to listen and you're not interesting, I'm going to go through one ear and out the other. If people listening or watching this would like to connect with you, first off, would you want them to? And next, if they decided to reach out to you, what's the best way to find you or reach out to you? I do have two Instagrams that are open because I'm starting a travel blog on IG, which is called Harris underscore global, A-L-H-A-R-I-S underscore global. They can always DM me there anybody who wants to ask questions about my digital life where I'm moving around, they're going to see the pictures of the places I've been uh, since starting this journey. Thank you. Thank you so much, Christine. It was such a pleasure having you on our podcast. We appreciate your time. To learn more about Ivy and the CIA, go to ivyandthecia.com. To learn more about Dan Crum, go to dancrum.com.